Hello and welcome to another episode of The Richards Report. I'm Ted Richards. This week, I have a very special guest. In fact, a huge guest. It's Sam Wood. You all know the name and some of the shows he's been on in Australia, but what you may not be aware of is that he has built a business empire. Portions of the audience do listen in from different parts of the globe, so for all the internationals out there, uh, those in the US, Hungary, Canada, and other corners of the globe, I see you all in the analytics. Anyway, here's some quick background for you all. Sam rose to fame in Australia during the filming of the third season of The Bachelor when he was the Batchy. However, there's much more to Sam's story than just that reality TV chapter, to be honest. We only spend about 30 seconds on this topic. The first part of the discussion focuses on his early business ventures, where he metaphorically uh, cut his teeth starting and growing different businesses, and then his story really transformed when he takes a few calculated risks, backs himself, and what happens next is really fascinating. So make sure you listen right through to the end, where we chat about the similarities between what we're both doing, and that is using the best of technology with a real human overlay to provide a service that was previously expensive and only a small portion of people could afford. Before we get into it, regular listeners will have noticed that there was no episode of the podcast uploaded in January. The reason why, um, my wife and I had a baby, baby Max, uh, a few days before Christmas, so I took some time off. Max is now seven weeks old. I probably sound very tired, but the show is back on after a siesta. Well, probably uh, not the right word to use there. It's certainly no siesta for me. Anyway, more huge guests coming up in 2021. So subscribe if you haven't, wherever you get your podcasts from. I also overlooked that the Richards Report podcast has now had over 200,000 downloads I'm absolutely blown away by how big that figure is. If you've been listening in from the early days, thank you so much for supporting the show and spreading the word. There's certainly no marketing budget behind this. As you're probably aware, I edit these shows myself. If you're new to the show, welcome aboard. I really like putting this show together and getting episodes out there and getting the feedback from people when they listen to them. I try and chat with smart people from different fields that can educate us all on investing, be it in themselves, business, or stocks. And I think this is an important life skill, no matter what your age is. If you could please give this show a rating wherever you're listening to it, be it iTunes or Spotify, you can probably do it right right now while you're listening. I really would appreciate it. Or even better, maybe even put a shout out to the show on social media. I'm on Instagram and Twitter, so be sure to tag me on it too. Before we get into it, the usual disclosures. This episode is just for informational and educational purposes only, and people may hold positions in the companies discussed. As always, episode show notes are available on the Six Park website, sixpark.com.au. Enough from me. Stop talking, Ted. Everyone just wants to listen from Sam. Okay, with no further ado, I'm Ted Richards. And just in case you haven't worked it out by now, you're listening to The Richards Report. You're listening to The Richards Report, where we will speak with investment experts from around the country. We will cut through the jargon to allow you to make more insightful investment decisions for your future. This is The Richards Report. Sam, welcome to The Richards Report. Thanks for having me, Ted. Well, thanks for visiting me. 
Uh, yet we are at your office here uh, in Melbourne and Victoria. And um, Sam, you actually mentioned before that you've listened to a couple of episodes. Can you tell us a bit about which episodes you've listened to? Uh, well, Nick and Nick. Nick Stone and Nick Crocker I actually listened to and both were really great, interesting episodes. I know... I know Nick uh, Crocker. He's a Melbourne guy here, and uh, you know we've had we've had some catch ups. He's a really really good sounding board in this sort of startup space. And um, the Nick Stone story, I just think, is such a brilliant one. And uh, our current, not current, he's not going anywhere. Our CEO here at Twenty Eight uh, knows Nick from living in New York, and um, yeah, kind of got me onto his story. And I've sort of just been following it. And uh, yeah, what a remarkable journey he's on as well. Yes, uh, so check those episodes out if you haven't already. Uh, great marketing by me. Just kidding. <laughs> 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 You've never plugged. Um, Sam, there's a lot to cover here. Uh, listeners are probably aware that you're in the fitness industry, but it's always interesting how people's own stories started. Was going into fitness something you planned when you were younger, say like at the end of high school? No, it definitely wasn't. Um, I always loved sport and you know, there's always a natural, a natural inclination to hopefully do something in the sports field, I think. Um, but I didn't, I was lost. I was one of these kids doing year 11 and 12 who... It's not uncommon. No, it, it's not. It's not. And I, I always think you think others have it far better worked out than perhaps they do. You yep. know, and you, you feel your own situation is, you know, is one of being completely lost and so many more people are in that boat, as you say. But... Yeah, I really did feel like everyone else had it worked out. I actually applied to do a double degree in psychology law at TAS Uni, being yep. a Hobart boy, and remember uh, somehow getting accepted into that course and thinking to myself, "What am you know? Have I read too many John Grisham books? And do I really understand what this is? And it's I think it's all going to be exciting, not quite." You know, I had some sort of smart people, had friends who had lawyers as parents who in a nice way said I'm surprised that you applied for those things Sam I know your kind of personality and I can't really imagine you doing you know nights in the library and uh and long days in the office it's not really the type of personality you have and um it just made me sort of rethink it and rather than dive into it take some time off so I went to America and uh coached some basketball and sort of got that was my first foray into coaching and training and it was with kids but it was still a really good eye-opener for me that I actually just loved working with people I loved anything that sort of had a sports fitness connection and it was doing that for six months um, in Wisconsin and Chicago as an 18 year old kid who had left Australia for the yep. first time from little old Hobart and had his eyes opened a bit that it made me think I probably need to be getting into this space. So I uh, applied to do human movement at university and got accepted to Ballarat University where my uh, girlfriend from high school yep. was going to move to. And um, yeah, that was my first first taste of gyms and exercise science. I worked at the university gym and um, yeah, we had a guest speaker come to university in my first year of my human movement degree who owned the biggest personal training studio in Australia and uh, based here in Brighton, Melbourne. And that current building is now my personal training studio 21 years later, which is sort of a funny full circle event. But yeah, I went and worked for him, did some work experience for him after pestering him. He offered me a job. I transferred unis to a Melbourne uni and um, 
yeah, 20 years later, that's now my studio here, the woodshed. And uh, that's funny how you know, I'm now 40 and, and still working in the same place. Sam, you very, very quickly skimmed over the last... I did. I just, there's two decades. We're done. <laughs> no. Um, and we are going to break that down. But the first is, you know, you've already taken a couple of risks. You went to the US to, to try something yeah, outside of your comfort zone. And then you, you know, you took on a different course. So, and these risks have paid off, you know, in terms of where, where they've, they've got you to. So you've moved into fitness and you've started doing it yourself. Yeah. Tell so, me, tell me early day, who were who your clients? Uh, it's a real mixed bag, actually. It's, I, I think the thing that I probably did better than other trainers, though, was very quickly work out that these incredible people who can afford to see a personal trainer four days a week at 11 a.m. Yep. clearly have a wonderful life and you know not to say that it's the ultimate happiness but they've, they've worked they've worked something out and they are an incredible resource you yep. know they absolutely would extend an olive branch and help you and give you business advice they really liked I think that I had a natural ambition and curiosity and I wasn't afraid to ask for help or ask them questions. Um, and, and so you end up with this great, almost accidental network of very successful people in all facets of, you know, all different areas. A lot of them were business people, had their own businesses and that sort of allowed them the flexibility of being able to see see a personal trainer, you know, $100 an hour. But, you know, I was very quickly doing 80 appointments a week and couldn't believe how busy I was uh my you know I was still doing my exercise science degree as well I moved that to part-time just to kind of uh work as many hours as I could and and it was interesting you're a subcontractor so it's this baby step into owning your own business you know you don't have to worry about the rent or the amenities of the building but you have to come up with your 300 dollars each week to the owner of the PT studio you have to wear a uniform, you have to have a business card, you have to do your own marketing um, to some degree. And it's a really nice handheld step, I think, into owning your own business. These uh, are skills that you're not taught at university. No, you? absolutely not. I remember being at university and it was so theoretical. And of course that stuff's important, yeah. but we would then get into the gym Uh, being an exercise science degree, doing your anatomy and your physiology and your exercise prescription. And there were people who literally didn't know which way to sit on a lap pull-down machine and had never even trained themselves. So theoretically, they're acing all of these exams. You know, great memories, had a really good understanding of the human body, but practically had never trained themselves, let alone trained anyone else. And, you know, you see it in exercise science a lot. People often get to the end of that three-year degree and a huge percentage of people then go on to do a, a master's in education, end up being a PE teacher almost. Not that there's anything wrong with that, of course, yeah. but it, a lot of it is I didn't know what else to do. I kind yeah, of got yeah. to the end of yep. this degree and didn't necessarily have it as part of a plan. And I was kind of the opposite. I was the guy who was earning $3,000 a week while training clients and the degree just added credibility yep. to the bigger plan. I was sort of I was the backwards example of that, which... Being a very hands-on social person suited me down to the ground. So your personal training's going well, and then you make a call to move into kids' fitness with Gecko. Yeah, I mean that 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 started within the PT studio purely. That uh, I remember a few. It was 
you know, this would have been what, 2003, 2004, and uh, for the first time almost ever kids were, uh, or parents were expressing interest in perhaps their kids getting personal training. And, um, you know, it seems, it's been normalized a little bit now, 17 years later, but back then that was a fairly out there concept. You know, kids that needed confidence, agility work for their tennis, you know, wanting to get drafted to the AFL, whatever it might have been. You know, you lose a bit of weight, gain some confidence, have a friend. Mum and Dad tells me to do this, it falls on deaf ears. Yep. Sam tells me to do it, I listen. You yeah. know, it was, it was quite interesting. But before I... And the other thing too, being a Brighton-based PT student, it was quite hard to get clientele from sort of 3 o'clock to 5 o'clock because a lot of your clients would see you before work or mums after school drop or people after work. So... It was a great opportunity to train people from sort of 3 till 5.30. And I loved working with kids. Yeah. Um, I always have, I always sort of will. I really feel you can make the biggest impact on someone at such an influential, important part of their life. And before I knew it, I was doing, as I said, 80 appointments a week, of which 25 were with kids. Yeah, can we just go back? Like, Yeah. This is... This is at a time when this wasn't common. Like when you told your family and friends, I'm going to start putting a large amount of my business into exercising kids. Like were you nervous about kind of how this may go? Not really because it... Because it was another risk at the time, wasn't uh, it? Uh, the next step was... The, so in 2006, I went to my current boss and I said, Craig, I want to I want to go out on my own. And... Um, you know, I was his little protege. He yep. was like, oh, no, mate, stay here, stay here. You know, yeah. I've got big plans for you, big plans for you. And he wasn't – I think I just sort of caught him off guard. I How said, old were you at the time? I was 25. And he said – and I said, no, I've made up my mind, mate. I'm going out on my own and I want to do something with kids. Yep. And he said, oh, okay. Anyway, he said, well, if you do it, I want I want to be on board. Yep. So we and – and that was a – nice reassuring thing to not go out completely on my own he you know was a really really good operator in the fitness space so in uh 2006 we launched gecko which is australia's first ever kids gym we hired an old garage in uh hampton street in hampton and converted into a really funky warehouse kids gym with running tracks and basketball court and little bikes and little rowers and boxing bags and it was colorful and and gecko was born and my first real step into being a business owner um was off and running and it was a crazy time you know it was that was a it was a really big risk it's a really challenging space because you're trying to make as much revenue as you can from you know in a three-hour window after school and then on weekends And, you know, I remember sitting there and I'd be sitting at the reception desk and a mum would walk in and we'd be three weeks old and she'd say, where's your uh, birthday brochure? I'd say, birthdays, we don't do birthdays. Ah, uh, they're at the printers. Let me tell you about them. I'd be making up gecko birthdays on the spot. Sounds fantastic. We'll take the soccer one. Beautiful. Yeah, so yeah. next thing there's footy fanatics and yeah. soccer world cup and whatever it was. And we're doing six birthday parties every weekend yeah. for 90 minutes each and Kids are loving them. They're working out with their gold medals and their footy packs and all this kind of stuff. And, you know, it was a real, it was just a great learning curve to, you know, just to have a swing to kind of understand, uh, get a taste of, you know, it was just me really. And, you know, we had 400 kids enrolled in our after school program. We did holiday programs. We did 
footy camps with Chris Judd. We did, yep. you know, birthday parties, incursions into a lot of the schools, you know, within sort of a five-kilometre radius. And it was a really fantastic business. And then the ambition in me and, you know, you have all these, but you, you listen to people or you... You can't ignore the noise and it'd be, Sam, why don't you have more of these? There should be more of these. Why isn't there one of these in Camberwell? Why aren't yeah. these in, you know, Sydney? Whatever it might be. And so then the then the challenge began of how do we grow this? Yep. You know, we've got this one beautiful, fantastic business uh, here in Bayside in Melbourne, but why can't we have 30 of these or 100 of yeah. these or whatever it was? So that was, you know, that was 2009 and that's where the real challenge began and that was, that was hard. We went down the licensing path where we tried to license our program and our equipment kit and our brand and our marketing collateral to existing gyms and we had 40 licenses around Australia um, and they all started off really well but you didn't have that driver, you didn't have that really passionate uh, you know, operator that loved kids' fitness. So yeah. I'd go and visit one of our licenses in Adelaide, and the equipment kit would be a bit banged up in the corner. And the two trainers that I'd trained at, at yeah. the training day no longer worked there. They'd yeah. moved on, and they'd been replaced with two guys who weren't anywhere nearly as passionate about helping kids with F's and sport. So we kind of uh, pivoted a little bit, and we thought, well, we we need to franchise, not license. We yeah. actually need the franchisee to put their hard-earned yeah. cash on the line rather than the gym. Um, the challenge then being we need to make it affordable enough to attract these great people because there's not a lot of personal trainers or uh, potential PE teachers with a spare 50 grand lying yeah. around who you know would, would put it all on the line to buy a franchise. So that was... That was sort of the challenge and we, we ebbed and flowed with different models and we got it to 45 franchises and... Um, That's a lot. A, a, it's a lot, but they none of, it didn't make much money. Yeah. You know, by the time you have a couple of staff at headquarters and some rent yeah. and you have to buy your equipment kits yeah. up front in sort of packs of 20 in storage and all that yeah. kind of stuff, there wasn't a lot of uh, profit left over, but I was learning a lot of valuable lessons. Um, and, and then, uh, yeah, so that, that took us up to sort of 2015 and then we talk about taking risks, go on. And I think, when did you go on The Bachelor? So that's then. So I'd, I'd converted, we'd moved from the garage because that lease had ended to a, to a bigger premises where we had Gecko on the ground floor and I had my own adult personal training studio woodshed upstairs and allowed for parents to train while their kids trained and. It was a nice little family hub, and one of the clients of that uh, of the woodshed was a bachelor fanatic. I'd never seen the show. In fact, my friends would tell you it'd be the last thing they'd expect me to go on. But uh, you know, we talk about taking risks and hoping they pay off. Um, I uh, I applied, and I think twelve thousand blokes applied, and somehow made it through to an interview up in Sydney within about seven days. They did a Skype interview, and then they said, "Oh, mate, we want to fly you to Sydney to meet the producers." And up I went in my jeans and my thongs, and went, "Oh, yeah, this will be a bit of a laugh and a good story to tell the boys." But I never think it'll come to much. And uh, literally three hours on camera in this interview with these really fantastic TV people that I must admit I clicked with straight away. And um, got a phone call two weeks later to say, mate, if you want the gig, you're it. 
uh, but you're going to have to pack up your life in Melbourne. You're not going to be able to tell a soul what you're doing or where you're going and you'll be living in Sydney and filming for 16 weeks straight. And I remember thinking, oh, God, first of all, I've got the woodshed and I've got Gecko yeah. and I've got people that rely on me and, you know, all of these. Plus, I don't even know what this show is. Yeah. What am I doing? Like, I haven't really thought this through. It was kind of funny until it's real. Because you were only season three, so... Season three and season two was a bit of a, a, a plane crash with yeah. the uh, with the guy that was on that season. So they shout out to him. Shout out to him. <laughs> yeah, Blake, if you're listening. Um, uh, yeah, for, this is the producer's oh, words, not mine yeah. necessarily. But you know, I sort of wanted to resurrect the uh, the faith in the show. And, yep. uh, so I just remember sitting there and thinking, and I rang my dad, and he was like, "Mate, I don't have any idea." Shows, you know, he wouldn't, yeah. he wouldn't have heard of it. Yep. And, and he said, but you know, he said, it sounds like you're thinking about it. And I said, well, I am because I think if I don't do it, I'll always wonder what if and I, yeah. I might kick myself. Yep. And you just don't know if you do it. So, so I did it. And uh, best thing I've ever done. I now, uh, I've found Snez and we're yep. now married and we have three kids and it's changed my life forever. Yep. Fantastic. And, and I know we're not here to talk about The Bachelor, but it is no. a significant... It, it, uh, it is significant, and we're, we're not turning always... Turning point. Yeah. yeah, and, you know, th- this podcast has a bit more of a, a business angle. I know, I know. I don't think your uh, your <laughs> listeners will be necessarily Bachelor diehards, but no, it's good to give it some context. No, but, like, yeah, the return that you got from, you know, from your marriage and, and your kids and everything course, like that yeah. is, is first and foremost. But let's let's stick with the, the investing side and sure. what happened from there in particular with 28 so you've taken already a couple of risks here going to the u.s changing your degree going on a reality tv show but pivoting from known face-to-face personal training into tech startup yeah tell, tell me about that it's a fair jump isn't it yeah. so look i'd always i'd always um you know i kind of been looking at what uh, kayla it's seen us yep. have been doing uh, with her at the time, you know, bikini body challenges and, you know, from ebooks to online programming and that kind of thing. And Michelle Bridges with her 12 week body transformation. And always, um, always thought, you know, it's incredible how the reach that they can get and how many people they can help. And you got to remember, it, it seems crazy because it's only five years ago, but back then, the quality of the streaming and the quality of the content and the tech experience was almost laughable even five years ago you know it's come so far well we're doing a podcast right now a lot of people didn't know what a podcast exactly. was for four or five years exactly ago. so the the whole the whole sort of game i mean timing really is everything yeah. so you know i'm coming off the back of one of australia's most popular tv shows i've been in fitness for 15 years um all of a sudden i've got this growing social media following and i kept getting all these um, dms on my instagram sam can you send me a workout plan or an eating yeah. plan and you know, obviously watching those guys and thinking, I, I, I can do this. You know, I, I've trained people for 15 years, got incredible results. You know, I've got my own unique sort of style and way, uh, you know, educated, got the experience of working with, you know, doing 50,000 personal training appointments with all of this different clientele. And I kind of, the thing that I thought most of these programs did that I I didn't like was they were too hardcore you know yeah. they were really intense and really full on and really intimidating and yep. you train for an hour a day and count all your calories and yeah. give up alcohol like it was really full on yeah. 
And my way was really different. You know, I'd always, one of my, um, I think, best attributes and the way I could connect with my clients was I was far more relatable. You know, I loved a beer. I ate chocolate. I wasn't a gym junkie. You know, I understood that getting in shape was more about your mind than your body. If you could connect with these people and you could actually get them to set goals and believe in themselves and uh, build some intrinsic motivation, that's when they became self-sufficient rather than yelling at people and screaming at people and depriving them of things, which wasn't, you know, my natural style. And that's not to say that all these other online programs do that, but it does tend to be a bit of a trend in the space. So connected with a, um, a web development company, put all of my 15 years of experience and wacky ideas into a website, recipes, got a nutritionist because I'm not nutrition qualified. Um, I was the fitness guy, they were the nutrition person, um, got meditations to um, have the, the mind side of things. I mean, this is the basic content that we launched with back in... 2016 on the 1st of feb 2016 we launched 28 by samwood.com and away we went sam let's let's not let's not just skim over like you got some shit going on you got a lot of businesses going on you married kids um and to to take this on like you would have had to put up a fair bit of money I put every cent I'd earned into it, actually, yeah. How were you sleeping at night? Like, I didn't tell Snege. <laughs> I didn't want to worry her. She wasn't quite... She she loved how ambitious I was, but yeah. I don't think she quite realised how risk, how much of a risk taker I am. Yeah. And so, so, yeah, literally every cent that I had, we invested in this, uh, in this platform. And... Uh, and we launched it, and within within six weeks, we had five thousand subscribers paying forty nine dollars a month. And it was at that point there that I was like, "Oh my god, this is something yeah. really special. This is something that clearly people are resonating with that they that they want that they need." A lot of that growth was coming from word of mouth already. Yeah. Um, was there a particular day in that six weeks or an event that you can remember? I reckon it was on day, you know, whatever that is, day 42. So, you know, sort of the 12th of, 12th of March, because we, we kind of, we kind of earmarked, let's just see how, before we worry about digital marketing spend and yep. more content, you know, let's just see what we've got here. Cause you know, there's hundreds of thousands of dollars more to reinvest. Let's yep. just see what we've got here. And and it, and it was it was really popular with mums. Twenty eight minute workouts, easy recipes, quick recipes. Did you know it was going to be popular with mums? Was that a niche you went? No, out? well, it's interesting. I, I probably should have. I was a bit guilty of wanting to be everything to everyone yeah. and not wanting to pigeonhole ourselves too yeah. early. You know, I remember our logo was black and orange, and it was yeah. probably a bit masculine yeah. back then. And. And it was interesting, you know, at, at the two-year mark, you know, we'd had 100,000 people through the program and we were 94% female. Yep. And it was it was clear that this program was really resonating with busy women, lots of mums, who just didn't have the desire or the time to go to the gym. Mm-hmm. And you, it sounds crazy now because we're post-COVID, but yeah. back in 2016, training on your lounge room floor on a mat with your phone was still a bit of a 
a, a strange concept. You know, it's not now, you know, and we're, I'm sure we'll get to that. But it, it's amazing um, how much education yeah. and um, information was needed to get people to understand the concept before trusting the, trusting the product and thinking I can really get results training that way. This episode is brought to you by Six Park. Six Park provides automated investment management online. The automated part is utilizing technology to lower your fees to provide professional investment management to people that previously couldn't afford the high upfront costs that it once required. Six Park take you through a risk assessment online, which leads to an investment recommendation over multiple asset classes from Australia and international shares, property, bonds, infrastructure, and cash. But it's more than just the automation. There's a real human overlay too. Your investment asset allocation is overseen by the Six Park Investment Committee, which includes Brian Watson, who sat on the board of guardians for the Australian Government Future Fund and is also a former chairman of JP Morgan Australia, Lindsay Tanner, the former Minister of Finance for the Australian Government, and Mark Nicholson, who headed up an investment division for the World Bank. Technology with human oversight working together to democratise investment management. Check out sixpark.com.au if you'd like to find out more information. Back to my chat with Sam. Well, it's interesting what you mentioned, little things like the logo being black and orange. Yeah. Right? I think for one of the most defensive things if you're trying to target women is to put make it pink. Because, you know, totally, like, totally, so yeah. The fact that it wasn't um, so obviously yeah. uh, targeting women was probably a reason why they may have wanted to give it a go. And I, I, I always say one of the things that, you know, accidentally we did really well was we let our audience choose us rather than choose them. You know, yeah. they, they told us and, you know, and then we listened. So then we made pregnancy programs and postnatal programs. And, you know, we've always gone to our customer to work out what fe- app feature or, you know, pro- content edition should be the next evolution of the program. And I think that's been part of our success. I think you're being very humble by saying accidentally doing well. But let's, let's go back. You said six weeks, 5,000 subscribers, and you've, you've put every cent into it. Yeah. So you've got to remember this t- time, I didn't know what SAS stood yeah, for. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I was a fitness guy yeah. who loved people, and I loved learning about business, but I could barely send an email on my phone. I was not tech savvy, and still am not tech savvy. Yeah. So did you did you need to get do a funding round to fuel that next stage, or how how did you grow we've, from we've there? We've never had to borrow money purely because of that initial yep. spike in subscribers. I mean, it meant we didn't make or, or pull any money out of the business for a yeah. long, long time. Yep, it was. That must have been hard with a young family, and you know it was. Cost, yeah, yeah. It's all, I mean, it's always a balance. I've always tried to have the big picture in mind. You know, the more I put back into the program the greater potential I give it to really reach the heights that I think it can. And it's almost like the bigger it gets, the more comfortable you get doing that because it's like it's reinforcing what you've done previously and it gives you more confidence to keep doing it. Let's let's skim forward a couple of years. So we, we were in 2016 when you founded. Yep. And, and then then, and so, co- then COVID hits. Sure. And as we know, a lot of your indirect competitors are, are forced to close with that do traditional face-to-face services within gyms that are, you know, as subcontractors, which you, you used to be. Give us a bit of insight. What did that do, numbers and subscribers? Uh, yeah, I mean, we've always not only been 
digital, but we've always been just at home. So many of our competitors have gym programs and you know, the home workouts are kind of the secondary option. Yep. Um, but it's a digital platform that helps you train at your gym. We're the opposite. We have never been gym, will never be gym. We have Pilates, we have yoga, we have running, we have hit, we have strength, but you do it all at home with minimal equipment in 28 minutes or less. And if you could have a better product to help people when everyone got sent home or Melbourne went into lockdown or what you... I, you know, I'm yet to see it. Yeah. So no one wants to. Uh, no one wants to benefit from a pandemic. But it was, it was a crazy twelve months. Uh, in 2020, our subscribers more than doubled. Um, we're about to hit the thirty thousand subscriber mark, and uh, and the business. And you know, we've in the last two years we've gone from six staff and. We used to outsource a lot of things and use a lot of agencies to now having 30 full-time staff working on the program here at 28 HQ. Obviously, some of them from home at the moment with the current conditions, but... I do um, want people to be aware of that. You're no one-man show blogger doing this as a side hustle. No, God, no. Doing this as a side hustle. You've got 30 staff, which come with a lot of time, you know, managing um, all the things that it, it takes managing people especially through a pandemic and you've got this growing empire 30,000 subscribers I don't have my phone on me paying 60 bucks a month each uh, a big number by big numbers yeah it's a, it's yeah. A, it's a good yeah. yeah I mean a lot I think people assume the margins in these businesses are probably a bit higher because you, you think that yeah your operating costs sort of stop as traditionally with a SaaS yeah. software as a service and they, model. They don't stop. Yeah. They, you know, the, the, they slow, but, you know, there's obviously, it's a brilliant business that if you can go, right, if we can get another 10,000 subscribers, our, our cost of doing yeah. it won't go up, um, you know, at, anywhere near as much. But we're still in that mode of giving back to our members, growing the platform, yeah. you know, and this is the thing. COVID completely normalised the space and we absolutely benefited from that. But it also meant heaps of competitors have come into the space. It also means, you know, uh, customers' expectations are higher. Um, You know, so if you you stand still, you will go backwards or you will get sort of swamped. And we're we're absolutely going to make sure that we, you know, we got to the lead because we did things a particular way. We're not going to change how we do things. Yeah, so... Let's kind of zoom out a little from over these four or five years. You know, you're in the education of providing fitness to people. Yep. And now you're quickly learning on the fly digital marketing. Yeah. Uh, cost of acqui- cost per acquisition. Yeah. Life- CPAs, LTVs. Yeah, 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 yeah. Lifetime. All that fun stuff. Yeah. Which, yeah. Um, for listeners not aware, you know, some some basic kind of how much it costs to acquire a client. Um, the lifetime value of a client, how much you're, you're sourcing over the, the time that you have have that client, churn, how often you you lose lose clients. But I guess the area that I want to speak to, because you are a tech business, is seasonality and yep. how popular um, New Year's resolutions are at the start of the year. And the time of recording, it's, what are we, first or second week of Feb. Yeah. I think Strava, I saw, had, had some fantastic data that, they can see New Year's resolutions drop off something like the second or third week of January. Yeah, right. Yeah, yeah. and I was wondering, um, what are you seeing with your data? Are, are you seeing your clients a bit more sticky? 
Uh, yeah, we do. I mean, we the average time that our members spend on the platform is over 12 months, which for a subscription that, fitness business is really that's high. That's fantastic. Um, and we're also a much higher price point than a lot of our competitors because yep. we offer a you know, significantly more. And I, I feel like it means we attract people that are really making a proper investment, people that kind of understand you get what you pay for a little bit. And, and we definitely have a stickier, a stickier customer. But, but it is always the greatest challenge of a SaaS business yep. to, you know, how do I reduce my churn? How yep. do I increase my retention? How do I continually grow that LTV? Um, the lifetime the value. Li- the lifetime value. And, yep. and it's, you know, it's success by a million cuts. There's, it's yep. not, you know, there's not one way to do it. There's, you know, a big thing we focus on is continually trying to customise and personalise the experience based on who that person is, what their goals are, what their history is, how old they are, uh, you know, gender, what type of workouts they like, you know, sort of that Netflix, you know, they know what shows you like so they serve you content based on what you've told them and it almost happens in a way that you don't even realise it's happening. And so the sophistication of our of our customization of the program and you know the amount of data that we collect now back to you know when we were two years old is just crazy and this is why all the, where all these sort of staff come from but um well you went from correct me if i'm wrong you know a website yes to an app based yes so we, we still have a website um what did that do for your costs yeah, it wasn't cheap. Yeah, I mean, yeah. we initially... Because there's another risk that you would have taken because yeah. I, assume, I assume the website was quite successful. It was, yeah. And it's and kind you, of, if it isn't broke, don't yeah. fix it. But we we just knew the customer experience would be enhanced with yep. an app. And if we didn't do it, we would be a little bit archaic in this space. And A lot of people, you know, maybe over the last decade or so, think, oh, if I could just, you know, invent an app for a couple of hundred no, bucks I can make uh, it for it. Yeah, our app cost $1.2 million to get it live. Yeah. And there's been a lot more costs on top of it since it's been live. So people completely underestimate yes. if you if you need something that sophisticated, that intuitive, that reliable, you know, they, yeah. they just can't crash. If someone's setting their alarm at 5.15 to do a workout and 28's offline, that's a very, very unhappy 28er and that's something that we just have a... You know, and your tech staff go, oh, there's no such thing as, you know, 100% security. I'm like, well, there better be because I it, it comes back and bites me. You know, I don't want people to think Sam, you know, Sam tells me to get up at 5.15 to do my workout and then I do and I can't do it. That's not a good reflection on Sam. And so I'm a bit of a hard taskmaster, but they understand why. You know, like they understand it's, you know, you haven't, there's no such thing as perfect in a tech yeah. space, but reliability of our... Um, of our tech platform, either web or, or app, needs to be extremely high. Well, reliability, but also the smarts that you mentioned to have an algorithm that can push content that you think may promote healthy behaviour. Yeah. In particular for that individual, as opposed to having a cookie cutter approach, assuming that everyone in Australia yeah. is all the same. Yeah. That's not cheap. Of course it's not. And this is the thing you, you know what worked as a personal trainer when you saw your clients face to face. It was. Yeah that you supported them. It was that you genuinely cared about them. It's that everyone got an eating plan and a workout that was specific to their needs. It wasn't just a, you know, mm. so, you know, one size fits all approach. And 
if you can then do that, I, I always thought, oh, how am I going to connect with my 28ers as well as I do with my face-to-face clients? And I actually think it's better yep. because you're with them all the time. Yep. You know, I wouldn't be providing a new eating plan every week for my PT clients. I wouldn't be... They would get expensive very quickly. Exactly. I wouldn't be texting them every day. Wow. You know, our 28ers get daily videos from me, push notifications, text messages... Um, you know, they're part of this community of uh, you know, hundreds of thousands of people that are just like them. So they naturally gravitate to people, you know, either yep. geographically or, you know, similar fitness goals or, yep. you know, I'm a 50-year-old woman and so am I and I just saw your results. You know, it's all very well for Sam to tell me I can get into shape, but I've seen that you've done it. What did you do? Yep. Let me tell you. No, no, I found this worked for me and that worked for me. And the more you can... Um, we have a pretty magical community that we didn't force it you know I think if you try and force these communities they become a little bit contrived and we we facilitated it you know I was there a lot I remember when I was doing my daily videos real-time videos to the 28ers and keeping it real you know I remember we were three months old and I was driving home to my little my little bachelor flats and I hadn't even moved over from Perth yet with Evie and I pulled into the supermarket because I had to get dog food for my dog and I bought myself a tub of chocolate ice cream just because I had this craving and, and I did a video from my car telling my 28 is what I'd just done. I went in for dog food, I bought myself two litres of chocolate ice cream and I'm probably going to eat a litre of it and they loved it. Mate, we love that you're so real. We love that you show us this stuff and you don't put on a, a fake persona yep. of the fitness guy who doesn't drink, and you know, and it's... So that's always been the way. Like once you get that validation that people like how real you are, that's that's always been our thing. Our authenticity and our realness has been something that we pride ourselves on, and I think that has extended into this beautiful, supportive. Um, you know, social media can be your best friend or your biggest enemy yeah. when it comes to these communities and and that kind of thing. And we're really proud of the community that we have. Yeah, going back to using technology to enhance your service as opposed to. It's funny, I was thinking where I am it, uh, with Six Park yeah. and a lot of people think of, at Six Park we provide digital investment advice for people, you know, done, done over through technology as opposed to um, face-to-face. And I see many overlays here in that we, we help people, we just use technology. And it's not binary one or the other, but using the best of technology and the best of humans together totally. to provide... Not just a quality service, but something that's affordable and accessible. Yeah. Like, like you said, um, 24-7. Yeah. yeah. I mean, you can get people... It's no way... You know, our program's less than $2 a day, and I used to charge $200 for a one-on-one appointment. Yeah. So you get, you know, a four months' worth of 28 for the cost of one hour yeah. if it was face-to-face. And, you know, then we can add world-class recipes, nutritionists, our meditations are read by Hamish Blake. You know, like, there's no way people could afford all this and you get it all packaged up and then you can go, well, that I like, that I don't like, that's relevant to me. And, And then the algorithms, as you said, of the app, serve them what we know that they like so it's not too busy you know you need a beautiful simplicity when it comes to a fitness app because it's all very well just to dump more and more content on them but then that actually confuses people you know one of the greatest things people love about having an online fitness program is i don't have to think about it i wake up i go into my 28 app 
I go, no, I don't want to train with Sam today. I feel like doing yoga. Or, I, yeah. you know, I feel like doing Pilates. And I swipe across and I press a button and I way I go. Yeah. And when you don't have to get dressed up, you don't have to get in the car, you don't have to think about it, it's amazing the consistency people have with their workouts. Because they're all hur- hurdles and points of friction where you... All barriers, yeah. yeah, yeah. So the average Australian uses their gym membership. I think 85% of Australian gym members don't use their gym membership more than four times a year. And we know that uh, you know eighty percent of our members are working out every single week. That's, that's fantastic. I'm, I'm no yogi, but I, there's a yoga term that I like, which I think thinks very similar to you. I think the, the terms off the mat and how doing yoga can influence other parts of your life outside of a, yeah. a, a yoga session. It's fair to say you've got a bit of off the mat too. Like people may come to you for fitness, but the ripples extend meditation, yeah. diet, mental health. Yeah. And stress management, yeah, I, sleep. I think there's yeah. even some parenting things. Oh, that, totally. Yeah. Which um, yeah. re- resonate for me too. Yeah. With, um, We're about to launch a whole new uh, kids' fitness program okay. so that parents can work out with their kids and keep them active at okay. home too. Okay. Well, um, um, just drop that for the first time. Yeah. That's, a, that's, a, that's an exclusive. Yeah. Here. Okay. Well, we're all about exclusives <laughs> on the Richard Report. Uh, I know we've jumped all over the place, no, mate, that's, which, is, which, is, which is me. I do that. No, no, that, that's that's my fault. Uh, that's I'm, it's one of my one of my strengths. <laughs> I won't say weakness. You're agile. Yeah. Um, I feel like over the course of 2020, and we have kind of we have already spoken about this, is the normalisation of work from home. So like, there's some interesting things going around the world where, say, Google's acquired Fitbit yep. for I think two billion. Apple has created like a, a fitness offering. Yeah. Lululemon, which um, they bought Mirror, yeah, yeah but going got bought Mirror, and for for uh, people not aware, it's it's kind of like a um, uh, like a one on one workout with a with a TV, very yoga based, very yeah, on yeah. brand for a Lululemon. Yeah, yeah. Everyone thought Lululemon was mad and it overpaid, and I think they're laughing there. No, <laughs> I know. <laughs> I know. It's it's pretty Genius. much a, a way to push product. Uh, on, uh, on, 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 on and with the boom, they will get a return on their yeah. investment alone. Yeah, lonely, I think uh, the share price. Uh, Bumped oh, that yeah. that day, but and but uh, also Peloton, which I, I don't. The really... behemoth for Peloton, hey? Yeah. So for those that don't know, because it's not in Australia, yeah. Peloton is, and I know you have listeners all over the world, but Peloton is, they're a hardware company, so they sell you the equipment, and, and then they and match it with. No, it's not. You know, treadmills for four thousand dollars on yeah. payment plans and that yeah. kind of thing. And um, and then they give you the programming to match that equipment. So, you know, you might be running on your treadmill and then you've got a screen on your treadmill and you've got a trainer going, now drop down and give me 20 burpees and get yeah. back on the treadmill and increase your incline. It's really cool. Yep. And it's... But and it comes with a price. It does. It, you know, the price would be a barrier for some yep. people. Some people don't like to run. You know, it... it and this is the thing, this normalisation. Home workouts were very uncool and yep. unsexy five years ago. Um, I think people are waking up to the fact that you can actually get incredible results training from home, incredible variety in your workouts, great trainers. You know, you can chrome, put things on your chrome and have it on yep. your 70-inch plasma if you want in the lounge. Like it, it doesn't have to be a dark room on your iPhone you know it can be really really cool and I think people are waking up to that and I think uh, incredible companies like Peloton are, are only helping grow the space yeah and that's that's what I'm interested in that do you see this more of a, a risk or an opportunity yeah oh, look people, I think some people would get scared by it we you know, we're all about customization, personality yep. and community yep. which are things that 
you know, Peloton will never be able to compete with us yep. against. Same way we will never be able to have the same hardware or, uh, you know, trainers perhaps that they do, which is fine. You know, yep. we sort of, we, we stay in our lane. Um, you know, we know what we're good at. We're not trying to be everything yeah. to anyone. You know, yeah. we, we get asked all the time, when are you going to bring out a gym program? And the answer is never. Because yep. we really want to just help people get in shape from home yep. in less than 28 minutes a day. Now, if listeners would like to find out more about 28, Sam, is it best to go to the website or, or download the app? Definitely the website. Yep. Uh, so we don't give 30% to Apple. Oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, yeah, I mean, at the I, I, I say that tongue in cheek, but we actually only allow you to sign up via the website. Okay. So 28bysamwood.com uh, to have a bit more of a look at the program. And um, yeah, we'd absolutely love to love to help anyone that's uh, listening get in shape from home, that's for sure. And this all, all the links to um, the things that we've mentioned on the, on the chat today will be available on the episode show notes as well sam to 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 wrap things up sometimes at the end of show at the end of the show i do like a, a mention of social media handles just to maybe able to like get someone extra 10 or 20 followers sam um i think you're at three hundred thousand on instagram alone um putting aside facebook and, and twitter and everything <laughs> like that. so sam let's let's try and get you an extra 20 where, where, can, where can people find you on social media well, at 28 by Sam Wood or at Sam James Wood, uh, my two You've actually Instagram. got a lot of free videos on... Um, um, yeah, yeah. And we also have a YouTube channel, which is Sam Wood TV, where I put a lot of free workout content. I mean, I don't want price to be a barrier. I think I think what we provide is wonderful value for money. Um, and I also know when people uh, pay for something, they tend to commit to it more, make it a better psychological commitment. You absolutely see that with the results people get. Free things tend to come in and come out pretty quickly it's really yeah. interesting when you test free trials and that kind of thing in this space to the level of commitment that you get from those customers um but yeah absolutely sam wood tv for free content for sure sam thanks very much for chatting on the richards report absolute pleasure mate cheers okay that's it for this episode sam's only 40 and what an impressive story he already has no that no doubt there'll be plenty more interesting chapters to come Make sure you share this episode with a friend if you think they might get something out of it. And don't forget to tag me if you're putting it up on social media. The show notes are available on the Six Park website, sixpark.com.au, S-I-X-P-A-R-K, where there's further information on investing with Six Park. And as we touched on in the discussion, the benefits of combining technology with a real human overlay. I'm uploading the show mid-February 2021. And to provide some further context, Victoria has just gone into another shutdown. So make sure everyone looks after themselves, especially if you're in Victoria like I am. I've seen Sam is doing some free workout videos at 8am on Instagram. So uh, if you're keen to do some of these workouts uh, on the rig whilst we're we're shut down right now, uh, make sure you check those out. That's it from me for another show. Like I said at the start, 200,000 downloads. That's huge. Next stop, we're going after the million. I'm Ted Richards. See you next time on The Richards Report. Listener.